What difference does Easter make apart from increasing your waistline when it comes to all of those lovely bits of chocolate and things that you may have? It's a well-known fact, isn't it, that uh, from the earliest of days, there were those who doubted whether Jesus had indeed been raised. From day one, that's the truth. There were others, of course, who just didn't want to believe it. It's the last thing they needed. If you read back through the accounts, you'll see when the chief priests heard that the tomb was empty, they called together the men who'd been guarding the tomb, offered them money to say that Jesus' mates had come in the middle of the night and stolen the body. If you go back to that first Easter, in every sense, it was a conspiracy. Everything conspired to keep it a secret or to disprove it. And the years pass, the centuries pass, generations come and go. And every time, if you want to attack Christianity, the point of which, at which you attack it is on this day. This is the Game Changer Day. This is what everything about Christian faith hangs on. Even the events of Good Friday ultimately find their completion and fulfillment today. So if you're going to attack Christianity, attack it at its root. Attack it at the idea, the preposterous idea, a guy dies and comes back to life. Well, you, what are you going to do? I mean, think about it. I, I don't know, Tim and I, we've been working together now, best part of 18 months, two years. We, we stand here regularly, about here, actually. And uh, there'll be 30, 40, 50, maybe 300 people in this building, and we'll do something called a funeral. Now, you can all get your heads around a funeral, can't you? Yeah? Uh, death is something we're all very familiar with. Death is something that affects us all. Turn on the TV, death is there. Read the newspaper, death is there. Funeral directors, interestingly enough, never seem to go out of business. They do very well. They earn a good income. Look at the cars they drive, listen to the holidays they take. Read the obituaries, people keep dying. Mostly older, sometimes younger, sometimes very young. No one can claim exemption when it comes to death. We get that. Death is natural. We understand it. The world doesn't struggle with the notion that people die. It doesn't struggle with the notion that 2,000 years ago, on a remote hillside in a province on the edge of the Roman Empire, a man named Jesus died. We can kind of live with Good Friday because death happens. That Jesus died, that's not a problem. But the enormous problem is the idea that he came back alive again. So let me ask you the question again. What difference does Easter make? Suppose we switch that question around and ask it this way. What difference would it make if Jesus 
hadn't risen from the dead. Would it matter? Would it make a difference to you, to me? Would you be here today? Would it make any difference at all? What would be different in our world today if we had conclusive proof that Jesus was actually still dead? His rotten carcass, probably by now just his bones, discovered in some ancient tomb. Now, I'm trying to be shocking, I'm not trying to be irreverent, but I'm trying to be real with you. Because either today is a game changer, or it's not. Either today makes a difference for humanity and for the whole of eternity, or frankly, I'm wasting my time, you're wasting your time, let's pack up and go and join the guy mowing his lawn. I mean, I've got enough chocolate to sink a battleship. I'll go and eat chocolate all day. Should we just go and do that? Or does today mean something? Does it make a difference? That question is critical. It's been asked for, as I said, 2,000 years. It's a biblical question. You may have picked up on it in the reading that Anne just brought for us. Seven times in those verses, Paul asks a question. Well, if? He's raising what scholars often call the question of contrary assumption. He's trying to show his readers how much blinking hangs on this whole idea of Jesus coming alive again. He's playing devil's advocate, if you like. Because in 2018, we need reminding that actually today we are celebrating something that is an astounding miracle. And it lies at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. We believe something absolutely incredible. We've just been singing about it. You've heard it in the reading that little David brought for us. It was picked up on in the prayers that a man who was dead came back alive. We believe that God raised him. That is incredible. The idea that a man dies and comes back to life.
Sometimes I forget, sometimes we all forget how amazing today really is. If you go to the cemetery and stay there waiting for a resurrection, you'll wait a long time. There are lots of people going in, but I'm yet to meet anybody coming out. So what are the chances that a man, tortured, crucified, buried in a tomb, would be raised from the dead? I'd love to know what odds Paddy Power would give on this. Do you think Sky Bet would do better? When it stops being fun, stop. Well, I'd have stopped a long time ago then, because he's dead, for goodness sake. Dead men don't walk out of a grave. What are the odds? Either today really is the biggest April Fool's joke ever, or the biggest game changer. And let's cut to the chase here, friends. We can't just hope this is true. This isn't about nice sentimentality, about wouldn't it be lovely if in the story he came back alive again? It's not about, oh, I hope so. Either this is true or not. What if? What if Easter is a load of baloney? What if it's not true? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Well, I think in that reading that Anne brought for us, there are four things that he points out which are very important for us to take on board. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if there's no resurrection, what I am doing right now is useless. Some of you might think it's useless anyway. God bless you. But preaching is a useless action. Paul says there, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so's your faith, by the way, he says. More than that, we're then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that, that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. Focus on that one word. Useless. The word means without content. Some of you will remember the older versions. It says our preaching is in vain. It means that all you've ever been told from your youngest days in Sunday school or when you sat with your grandma in front of the open fire and she got that little Bible out and started rubbish. That's what it means. It means all of that is rubbish. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, all your sincerity of faith, all our ornate chapel buildings, all our hymns and our songs, all our prayers, all our blinking midweek programs and courses and all of this stuff, all the theological education, everything, rubbish, counts for nothing. Nada. Zip. Zero. Let's go home. Let's go home. That's what Paul's saying. 
String all the degrees you want after your name. Write all the books you want. Preach until you pass out. Build the biggest church in the world. Fill huge stadiums with great throngs of people worshipping God. But you are wasting your time if Jesus is still dead. Next, it gets worse. <laughs> if there's no resurrection, our faith has got no forgiveness in it. Think about that. Because one of the key linchpins about Christianity is that it teaches that through a personal relationship with God, through faith in Jesus, you can receive forgiveness for all the nonsense, rubbish, filth, guilt, shame that you've carried for years. Now, if Jesus isn't alive, I've got news for you. You will not be forgiven. If Jesus is still dead, there is no forgiveness of sin. If there is no resurrection, our faith is without forgiveness. If Christ has not been raised, Paul says, your faith's futile. You're still in your sin. That word futile there, it literally means that it doesn't produce anything. There's no results. It, it, it's a promise with no fulfillment. It's going on a road trip, but not having a destination. It's having a story, but there's never an ending. It's a seed that produces no crop. It's a dream that never comes true. It's a game with no winners. It's a company that hasn't got a product. It's pointless. It's useless. It's futile. We like to say that Jesus died to forgive our sins. How did that happen? Think about that. How, how did that happen? Well, it's a basic tenet of the Christian message. But how does it work? How do we know that his death on a cross actually accomplished anything? If Jesus had remained in the tomb, one thing's for sure. We could never be certain that God had accepted his sacrifice. Because at the heart of the Christian message is that all of us have done stuff wrong that separate us from a holy God. Because we are separated from a holy God, we deserve to be punished for that. But step in Jesus. And he says, hey, don't punish everybody. Punish me. I'll take their place. I'll be their substitute. And on he comes to the field of play called life. And he's our substitute. He dies in our place. He's the one separated from God in that moment. The Father has to turn his face away because all your guilt and my guilt and my shame and your shame is heaped on Jesus. But he does it. And he takes our place. But if he's still in the tomb, we'll never be sure that that was enough. If he's rotting as a carcass, in some tomb somewhere, we're stuffed. You're stuffed. I'm stuffed because the greatest misery I can imagine in life is thinking that I'm not actually forgiven for all that nonsense that I've gotten up to and that I still do. During that long weekend in Jerusalem, no one in all the world could be certain that the death of Jesus had been sufficient. As long as he was in the tomb, it looked as if the devil had won and Jesus had lost a great battle. 
I know, you'll say to me, yeah, but Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. But was it? Saturday, was it? Was it finished? You don't know. If he doesn't rise from the dead, Jesus is finished. The story's over. You're still guilty. I'm still guilty. Still ridden with shame. And all because of this human propensity to muck up. Again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. That's why the resurrection is actually so important. Do you know what the resurrection is? The resurrection is God going to Good Friday. That's what God is doing. That is God saying to Good Friday, I wanted to do something worse, but I thought I better not. It's God saying, stuff you. It's Jesus saying, it's finished. And on Easter day, God says, too blinking right it is. It's finished. It's done. And he raises Jesus from the dead. And because Jesus is alive, I know my sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. I I hope you know that this morning. I really do. See, I'm getting a bit worked up. When a fat man gets worked up, he starts sweating. You know, I'm excited by what Jesus has done for me. I am thrilled, believe me, that he's alive. Because it's a game changer. It changes everything. See, this is one of the biggest issues in Paul's mind. It's about whether or not we're truly forgiven. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, the answer is, yeah, of course you've been forgiven. But if Jesus is still in the tomb, we're stuffed. We're unforgiven. And believe you me, we are unacceptable to a holy God. It gets worse. There's no resurrection. Our death is without deliverance. Look what Paul says here. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. I love that. Paul describes death for the Christian as falling asleep. I love the idea of falling asleep. A little bit of a Greek lecture for you now. If you want to take notes, God bless you. Falling asleep in Christ is a critical phrase. I just want to show you the background to this really quickly because I think it's important. Um, the words involved here are koimethentes, from which we get another Greek word, koimateria, from which we get our English word, cemetery. That's very interesting because a cemetery was a very distinctively Christian word. I want you to hold on to that. The word cemetery is a very distinctly Christian word. It literally means the sleeping place. In modern language, we would call it Benson's Beds. (laughs) I love going to buy beds, don't you? Try them out, they say. Do as you would do at home. At which point, Mrs. Owen goes and looks at something else. (laughs) Oh, you want to lie on it. The idea of sleeping place. The early Christians took their dead to a place of sleep, of rest. That's what they did. Why did they do that? Because when you go to sleep as a Christian, you're expected to wake up. Do you get it? You're expected to wake up. 
Isn't that a lovely thought? Christians have believed that one day those who have died having faith in Jesus will wake up. They too will have a resurrection. If this, if this is it, is this the, is this the end? Paul's answer is very clear. If Christ has not been raised, you're not going to wake up. Death wins. If Jesus is still in the tomb, there's no hope. You're stuffed. This life is all there is, and you will stay dead forever. I'm looking forward to waking up. If there's no resurrection, our service is without significance. At the end of that little passage in verse 19, Paul says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're of all people most to be pitied. For Paul, this is the ultimate argument. Because he's saying here, if Jesus isn't alive, well, we're just fooling ourselves. If Jesus is still in the tomb, then Richard Dawkins is absolutely right. Christopher Hitchens is absolutely right. All the rest of the skeptics are absolutely right. If there's no foundation to our faith, then hey, we're nothing but self-deluded idiots. If Jesus isn't raised, then I've certainly got nothing to spout on about. And you, frankly, have got nothing worth listening to. If Jesus isn't raised, then there's no God to hear your prayers. Stop blinking praying. If Jesus isn't raised, stop talking about being saved. If Jesus isn't raised, let's bring the blinking missionaries home for a start. They're costing us tens of hundreds of billions of pounds. Bring them home. If Jesus isn't raised, let's close blinking edifices like this. Let's sell the ground, mortgage it, build Tesco's on it. We can make a mint. If Jesus isn't raised, every Christian for over 2,000 years has been wrong. Let's pack up and go home. Because I'm sure, like me, you've got better things you could do. If you're still in the tomb, you haven't got him in your heart. If you're still in the tomb, what's this? At best, a religious game? If you're still in the tomb, what's the point? If he's still in the tomb, why bother? I've put it in stark terms, because that's how Paul wants to do it here in this passage. He doesn't want to play games, and neither do I. I don't want to come to the end of my life and discover that I've preached something that isn't true. And I don't want to mislead other people like you into thinking that something is true when it's not. If Jesus is dead, then we deserve pity. Because you and I have believed a load of nonsense and lies. And so Paul comes to the end of his what-ifs. He's shown us that if Christ isn't alive, if he's not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is useless, our faith is without forgiveness, our death is without deliverance, and our service is without significance. If, 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 if there, well, is there any answer? Is there any hope? Is there any reason to believe in the blinking resurrection? Well, thank you for asking. Because Paul comes back at you. Paul turns things around. 
and he comes back with a great big butt. Now, if you're an American, I just want to point out there's only one T on that, and butt doesn't mean the same thing, okay? But there's a great big butt that's going to appear. Because now, in verse 20, look at what he says. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. But, consider how much hangs on that little word, but. The resurrection of Jesus, and our coming resurrection, and the resurrection of all those who died in faith, all depends on that one word, but. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. You see, but up from the grave he arose, but with a mighty triumph for his foes, but he arose a victor of the dark domain, but he lives forever with the saints to reign, but he arose, he arose, hallelujah. Christ arose. Let's stop being pathetic about this. This is awesome. This is a game changer. This changes everything for you, for me, for the world. Immortal, incorruptible, perfected, completed, glorified, free from sickness, delivered from death, sin gone forever, human frailty disappeared, personality retained, supernaturally restored, made like Jesus, all the defects finally gone, all that is under construction finally completed, with healthy bodies, clear minds, undivided hearts, in company with all the saints of all the ages, in a multitude that no man can number, will gather around the throne, will rejoice and laugh and sing, will know each other more deeply and love each other more completely, will think more clearly, will still be who we are, we will be more than we've ever been. We'll become what we always wanted. We'll finally see our loved ones who died in the Lord. We'll meet those who went before us. We'll see the saints of old. We'll get to know Abraham, Esther, Luther, Spurgeon. We'll see our grandparents and our grandchildren. We'll marvel at the grace of God forever. We'll see Jesus. And we'll bow before him. I long that you would know for sure today, my friend, that Jesus is alive. This is our hope. This is our faith. This is our confidence. This is the faith of our ancestors who believed then as we believe now. This is what the earliest Christians believed. This is what Christians around the world believe today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came back from the dead, never to die again. Don't doubt it anymore. Don't doubt it anymore. Let's have a party today. Let's dance and sing in the assurance that Jesus has conquered the grave. He's alive. And it changes everything. Would you bow your heads with me? You know, I don't know whether you've ever thought about these things before. Maybe this is the first time you've really listened to something that will test arguments about whether Jesus is alive. You know, many people have set out to disprove the resurrection and found themselves becoming Christians. I wonder if that will be true for somebody here this morning. 
What about right now? Does the reality of Jesus being alive impact you? Because I'm telling you now, on the authority of God's word, he is alive. And because of that, you can receive forgiveness. You can have an eternity in heaven assured. You can look forward to waking up, not in Benson's beds, my friend, but in the presence of God himself. So I want to ask you sincerely, with every head bowed, every eye closed, please respect this time. I wonder this morning if you would trust Jesus. And if you would just want to say quite simply, Lord, I know my life's not been as it should. I know I've mucked up. I've done things that are wrong. Things that rightly separate me from you. But I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you that he was my substitute. He took the guilt and the shame that separated me from you upon himself. And he wiped the slate clean by dying for me. So as best as I know how, I want to say I'm sorry, God. And because Jesus is alive, I want to receive your forgiveness. So please, come into my heart. Did you pray that? Did that resonate with you? Did you echo that in your mind, in your heart, as I was saying those words? Because I believe if you sincerely meant those things, then you have become a member of God's family. You may not understand everything. You may not have everything sussed. Heck, you might not be able to quote a Bible verse. It's okay. The Bible says those who call on the name of the Lord will be rescued, will be saved.